Congratulations, everybody. I just want to be the first. Perhaps, I don't know, somebody else might have already congratulated you, but if not, let me congratulate each and every one of you for surviving January. You made it. Yes. You have made it, and it is all downhill from here. The rest of 24 is going to be a breeze compared to the 85 days of January that you just spent. And I'm just so glad that you're able to make it. I hope that you'll put on social media how that you survived, you know, January, you were safe. Let everybody know. And we, we are just so glad that you were able to be here this morning after what did seem like to be a very, very long month. And because you were able to survive, this is how we kind of do things, uh, you know, here in, in our society. You survive January, you get treats in February. It's kind of like your dog at home. When you've been gone for a long time and you come in and the dog is just all excited to see you and, and the little pup's just jumping up and down, right? And, and you're hugging and petting and then it's like, all right, who gets a treat? You know, and he's like, yeah, I get a treat because I survived all that time that you were gone. You know, all that two minutes that it took you to take the trash can to the road and then get back. But for, but for your dog, it was like January. And so they get a treat. And so do you. It's called Valentine's. And so you get a treat. And so we thought we would just kind of do a little survey, do a little poll and find out what treat you prefer on Valentine's Day. If you were not in here earlier during our welcome, the webs ask everybody to go in and take out your phone and, and use this QR code. I encourage you to do so now if you were not able to do that earlier. I know that um, the coffee and donuts were a big hit this morning. There's a lot of conversations going on out in the lobby, which was fantastic. And so if you're just now kind of getting in here and getting things settled down, go ahead and pull out your phone and you're going to have some choices that you're going to see. You're going to have flowers, you're going to have chocolates, you're going to have steak. Okay, those are the choices that you're going to have. You're also going to see that you can choose all the above, and you can also choose none of the above. And I know that oftentimes we like to do this poll and have it be kind of individual and even kind of have it be secret. And in the past, I've seen some of you take out your phone and you pull up the QR code and then you, you hover over your phone and you don't want anybody to see exactly what it is that you were going to, to choose. This might be one of those that you just kind of hold out in front of you to let the, you know, the person that might be sitting nearby see exactly what it is, what kind of treat that you would like for surviving January. Uh, it could be that if you don't have a special someone that's sitting beside you, you just kind of hold it up like this, you know, just for those around. Some of you might need to demonstrate to others how to use the QR code. That's fine. You just demonstrate. You can show them. Here it is. It never hurts to be able to, it never hurts to be able to ask for treats because guess what? You have earned it. And you deserve it. And I'll let you guys know kind of how we look at this and what we want, what we hope we get at the end of our time together here uh, this morning. But as we kick off a new series, I thought it'd be cool to, to pull up an old Peanuts comic strip. I love the Peanuts comic strip. Always have. And, and I've always really liked this one where you have Lucy and Linus together. And L Lucy looks at Linus and says, you a doctor? Ha! 
That's a big laugh. You could never be a doctor. You know why? Because you don't love mankind. That's why. And of course, Linus responds, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Yeah, now, show of hands for all the Linuses in the room. Go ahead. It's church, right? You can be honest about it. Thank you. Even one of our elders back here is raising his hand. Now, see, that's why we have some of the best elders. They are honest and truthful, right? <laughs> oh, but they just can't stand people. Other than that, it's really good. Hey, we, we know what this feels like, right? Because people are hard. People are difficult. And people are just so different. Now, we could love others better if, of course, if, if everybody was just like us. Because we love ourselves. And we don't know why others can't love us the way that we love us. But it can be so hard being able to love people. And so we try. We go and we buy self-help books and we listen to podcasts and, and we decide this is going to be the year that I am going to be able to love people differently. But the problem comes is that we do live in a world of difference with different views and different opinions and different likes and different dislikes. And it's not mankind that we have problem with. It's the people that we can't stand. So what do we do about that? What, what do we do about the fact that we live in a world with people that we don't even like, much less really love? What do we do about that when we come to a month that is kind of all about being more loving and, and, and when we come to a time where everybody's going to be talking about the treats that we can give one another and how we can express love and some of you, you pull out the Love Languages book and just leave it on the coffee table just, just as a reminder to your spouse, you know, just exactly the way that you like to be communicated with during this particular month. What do we do when we come here to a time where everybody's talking about love, but there are just some people that we just can't stand? Well, look at Matthew chapter 5, and I want you to really, I'd love for you to open up your Bibles for this one. Open up your Bibles. There are going to be scriptures on the screen for you who are here, also for those of you who are at home who are joining us this morning. But I'd love for you to open up your Bible, take out your phone, find Matthew chapter 5. And I'm guessing that this is probably going to be a passage that you have never highlighted before. There are some passages that lend itself to, to being highlighted. And Mr. Paul referenced one of those earlier, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's one of those highlight type verses. We like verses that speak to us about God's love for us. But how many of us actually have Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43 highlighted? If we don't, we need to. Jesus said, as he's teaching a multitude of people, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You, you've heard that law, Jesus says. Actually, there was no such law. It was more of an interpretation. 
Jesus is in the process here in Matthew chapter 5 of going through a list of, you have heard, but I say to you issues. And he deals with how the followers of God had misunderstood and then mistaught and misused the Hebrew scriptures to the detriment of their relationship, not only with God, but also with one another. And Jesus is saying, look, I know what you have heard, or more to the point, I see how you are living. I've watched you. I've grown up around some of you. I know how it is you're living, but I'm going to share with you something different. I'm going to share with you a different way of doing life as God's children. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And when he says this, you can picture in your mind the people nodding in agreement. Yeah, that's what my papa always told me. I've heard that from the time in. I was this big probably the first time that I heard, love your neighbor hate your enemy. Not a lot has changed, has it? You see, I think it's still the message that we're hearing. Because this is how many unbelievers and believers are living. You, you don't have to tell me what you have been taught before because you understand that I can see it in the way that you live. We can see it in the way that, that we treat one another. We see it in our communities and in our society. We see the things that people have been taught because we watch the way that people are living. I will love you if you're my neighbor. I'll love you if you're not my enemy. I will love you if we are alike. I will love you if we do not disagree. That's what you have been taught, Jesus says. That's what you have heard. That is your family history. That has been your legacy. That has been what you have marinated in as a society. He says, but let me teach you a different way. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, here's where you start highlighting. Here's where you highlight something that Jesus has said that comes up and just smacks you in your face. You know when you eat something and it's like, whoa, that smacked your mama good? Well, there's sometimes that you read things in Scripture that just slap yourself good. It's some of those things that just, it, the Spirit just kind of jumps up and just gives you a little pop, 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 pop. Hey, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention or are you just racing through to the God loves you Scriptures? Highlight it. Mark it. Put a star by it. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Pray for those who persecute you. And I wish that you could have heard the gasp that would have went through the crowd. I wish that you could have been able to see the facial expressions. Now, you've probably heard it before. So it doesn't hit you in the same way. But because you have heard it before, and because some of us sometimes just feel like Jesus is talking in hyperbole here, we still let it go right over us instead of being slapped in the face by it. Love the person who is against me. Are you serious? Pray for the person who causes me to suffer. Now, Jesus, why in the world would I want to do that? Well, he says, in that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. 
and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You see, Jesus is telling people who understand, considered themselves God's children by birth, that the descendants of God are known not by a birth certificate, but by a love certificate. It's not because you were born into this Jewish family, he says, that you are God's child. It's not because, understand, that you were raised going to church and you've been a, quote, Christian all your life. He says that's not what distinguishes you, distinguishes you as a true child of God. A woman shows herself to be God's child by refusing to return hate for hate. A man shows himself to be God's child by asking God's blessings on the person who has brought him nothing but heartache and pain. Jesus says God doesn't hoard his blessings. God doesn't play favorites with his gifts. So neither should his children. We were born to be a blessing. And friends, could it be that we are never more like God than when we demonstrate love to the person who has hurt us, the person who has offended us, the person who has betrayed us? And now this is where, again, the rubber meets the road because each and every one of us has been hurt dearly by someone. Each of us has walked in here today bearing the scars of someone who has in some way abandoned or offended, caused us pain, made us have tears, someone who has kept us up at night, someone who has taken something from us that was valuable, and all of a sudden then we come to this message from Jesus and we hear what he says and he says, Jesus, I love you, but I can't do that. It's too different. Jesus, tell me how God loves me. Tell me what a good, good father God is. T tell me about the love of God. But Jesus, don't tell me that I'm supposed to have that same love in my life. Acting like God's children is not about having the same theological beliefs or the same religious practices. It's not about growing up in church. It's not about coming from a long line of religious people. It's about living a different love. It's about living a different love. So Jesus continued by saying, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? He says, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you being different from anyone else? He says, that's what the pagans do. Now notice the implication here that Jesus has an expectation that the children of God are going to be different. 
That there's going to be a different type love that is going to be shared. That something will stand out. That in a society that says, here is what love is, those who are children of God are not in the majority. They are in the minority and they are standing out because they are going, wait a minute, no, I understand what you're putting out there on social media and I know what's in all of our entertainment and I know what society says love is all about, but here is what God says love really is. And it's not about just, it's not about just loving those who like me and loving those who are like me and, and loving my friends and anyone can show love to people who are like them. It's not hard to be kind to the person who believes like me theologically. It's not hard. It's not hard to be kind to the person who votes like me politically. It's not, a part, it's not hard for me to, to be kind to a person that lives like me culturally. We wear the same hats. We put on the same shoes. We go to the same places. We have all these same values. And we have the same likes and dislikes. The person who goes to my school. The person who is in my church. The, the person that is in my sphere. Jesus says, what's so different about that? Even people who don't believe in God know how to be nice. And see, that's kind of what we're being told right now within our culture, is that all anybody has to do now is be nice. And people are being encouraged to be nice. And it's great to be nice, and you need to be nice. But understand, you're being encouraged to be nice by people that don't even believe in God. Because even people that don't believe in God know how to be nice. But there should be something different about God's children. And here's the difference. Our love is not based on a person's relationship to us. Our love is based on our relationship with God. See, that's where our love comes from. It's not based on a person's relationship to us. It's not based upon what the person says or how the person acts or how the person looks or if they have been nice to us or if they have injured us in some way. It has nothing to do with our relationship with the person, but love has everything to do with my relationship to God. And I demonstrate that relationship with God each and every day as I go out and what? Love my enemies. Love those who are against me. Love those who would love for me to fail. Love those who disagree with me. Our love is not based on a person's relationship to us. So Jesus presents, presents this new paradigm. It's a different way of looking at and relating to the people around us by saying, just look at what God does. He blesses everyone. And here's the deal. Love is so much easier when you're focused on God and not on the person or the position. I see people who come into my office and they, they talk about the relationship they have, husband for wife, wife for husband, and when we begin having discussions about where things are kind of getting off the track, the focus is always on the other person. Well, he's not, and she did, and, and, and that's what they are thinking, and here is how this person is acting, and the focus is all on the other individual. But love is so much easier when I focus on God and not on the person. 
And it's amazing how much better everyone gets along when we stop looking at the other and we center on God. You see, love is the result of a God-centered life. Love is the result of a God-centered life, the result of saying yes to God and no to self. And so I will love differently only to the degree that I am centered on God. You understand how that affects your different relationships? How that I will love my wife differently because of the relationship that I have with God? I will love my children differently because of the relationship I have with God? Well, that, you say, okay, well, those are people sometimes that are easy to love. Really? You find it always easy to love your spouse? Parents, find it always easy to love those little munchkins? Oh, the idea of kids were great. The reality of children, wow. And I'm sorry, kiddos. I'm being, I'm being hard on you, right? Um, and, but but you, you understand because there are days that, do you really love your parents? Well, maybe you love them, but do you like them? Have you ever thought you wish you could have somebody else's parents? Because they're the cool ones? Wow. But I will love differently to the degree that I'm centered on God. When my focus is on God, then my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, with my parents, with all the other individuals there in my life, it changes because now I'm not focused on them and what they are doing to me and the hurt that I am receiving for them and all the anxiety they're bringing to my life. Instead, because I am focused on God... I can love different. But I need to remember that no one just automatically drifts toward God. We've spoken of this before. We either intentionally choose to center on God or we drift away from the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives. And so a question, not a, not a poll question that you can pull out your phone and answer. This is a heart question. Has your love been lacking because your focus has been drifting? Has your love been lacking because your focus has been drifting? It's one of the reasons why we share communion with one another each week. We need a visible, tangible reminder of God's love for us. So each week we gather together and we recenter on God. That's what our communion time is, is about. It's why each and every Sunday as we come together, we say we're going to stop and we're going to take bread and cup because we need to be reminded how Jesus came to reintroduce us to love. To reintroduce us to love. You see, before sea and sky and tree and bird and serpent, there was love. The eternal, infinite, pure love that flowed in and from Father to Son and Son to Spirit and then back again, round and round, unhindered and unbroken, undiminished, wild and unbridled. The old theologians called this perichoresis, the self-giving dance of the three-in-one God. God in himself as a community of radical love. And what God did in creation was just share love. God created not out of boredom or loneliness or the need to find something to scratch his creative itch. God has all God needs in the company of Father, Son, and Spirit. So God is extravagant and above all desire to share what love he enjoys. 
the love that he has for all eternity. But God's creation went off the rails. We desired power more than we desired love, and so we rejected the love that God offered. That's why within minutes of the fall of of humanity, Adam and Eve were engaging in this dance of, of accusation and avoidance and why the next generation, brother kills brother. Because as a result, now we have all grown up living in exile from the love that we were invited to inhabit. But Jesus came to heal that. And he came to reintroduce us to love. The pure and infinite eternal love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It did not end with the fall. Our catastrophe in no way impaired or depleted God's love. His love continued unabated. We just needed another demonstration. We just needed a reminder. So when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Friends, each communion experience is a celebration of love done differently. And God has never asked you to do anything that he has not already been willing to do. While we were still his enemies, we were told that Christ died for us. God demonstrates for us this is what love done differently looks like. And so we share and celebrate the communion experience each week as a reminder that Jesus came to, to show us again the love of God and as a reminder that the kingdom of God is a republic of love. It's not the sentimental or sensual thing the world calls love, but it's the 1 Corinthians chapter 13 kind, the fierce and the wild and the huge and the, the feisty and the pure love. The unbounded extravagance at the center of God's heart. The love that is the song that God sings over us and calls us to sing out loudly. It is the reason his disciples then take big risks and step out with big faith because we have been big loved. The love of Christ compels us. We live for him because in love he died for us. And what makes the church both a mystery and also a magnet to the world is that when we love in this way, in God's way, well, this love makes us relevant. And the absence of it makes us irrelevant regardless of whatever else we're doing. And so when this love really takes deep and lasting hold, we find ourselves free to love not just the lovely but the unlovely. And when this type of love takes hold, we find that that work of love that is within us, it compels us to love the most of these, those who are like us. It also compels us to love the least of these, those that are nothing like us, and, and the worst of these, those who are against us. We love the winners, we love the losers, and we love the enemies. Love for the winners, with this kind of love, Saul could have loved David and Cain could have loved Abel. Love for the losers... 
With this kind of love, the rich man, he could have loved Lazarus. The priest could have loved the leper. Love for enemies. With this kind of love, Paul loved the Philippian jailer and, and Stephen loved his accusers. Do you know what that looks like in your own life? Do you have the love for the winners? With that kind of love that you can love the person who got the promotion or got the position, he got the raise, she got the recognition instead of you? Do you understand the different kind of love that's the love for the losers? With this love that you can love that person whose life choices and circumstances have made them a shell of who God intended for them to be? And our society says that, well, they've lost it all, but we understand that they, well, they can receive everything from God. Do you understand the different love for enemies? With that kind of love where you can love the person who votes differently than you, the person who believes differently than you, the person that acts differently? It's a love revolution that Jesus let loose on earth. It was with that love that he welcomed Nicodemus. And he loved the fiery and reckless Simon the Zealot with it and the conniving Zacchaeus as well. He loved his mother and Mary Magdalene and demon-filled legion and the rich young ruler who walked away. He loved Peter who denied him and Judas who betrayed him. He loved the priest who condemned him and the thieves who mocked him. He loved the soldiers who nailed him to a tree. He loved them all with a different love. And he calls on anyone who would wear his name to embody that very same love. And so our question if we are willing to highlight the passage. Do we as a church family embody the love of Christ in such a way that people in the world and of the world would be willing to forsake all the other loves just to know the love of God? People who are against you, people who dismiss you, would they give up all the loves of this world because of the love that they see in you? Would they give up their addictions and their diversions? Would they give up their compromises and their resentments? Would they give it all up because the love that fuels our church and the love that is demonstrated through you is better and truer and deeper than anything that they have found anywhere else? How has our communion with God impacted our love for others? Have we even started living out love as Jesus demonstrated? Let's wrap up like this. I've shared this with you before, but I thought, I thought it was a great visual reminder. It's something you can take to school. It's something that you can also have at work all I want you to do is everyone just place your hands on your knees with your palms up. Oftentimes we put the palms down, don't we? But now I want you to place your hands on your knees and turn the palms up. Bob Goff in his book Love Does says something about the hardwiring that God gave each of us links the position of our bodies and the position of our hearts. Did you know that with your palms up, it is much harder to become defensive? 
with your palms up, it is harder to become angry? Our society encourages you to clench your fist. Hold on to that phone tightly and type in with those thumbs your response. Our society encourages us to go through lives, our lives clenched. And it seems that everyone expects us to be angry at somebody or about something. Something that we don't like. Somehow that we have been dismissed or let go. Some way that someone has not respected us. Some way that, that we have not been put first. And we are told, just go through life with clenched fists, and it's okay if we rail, and it's okay if we yell, and, and it can even be okay if we, if we hit and smash. But Jesus demonstrated life, palms up. It's a different way to live. It's a different way to love. Especially when you can't stand people. Can we pray like this right now this morning? With palms up. Father, we open our hands to you. But what we really know is that you want us to open our hearts to you first. It is one thing to sit in this room with, with people who, for the most part, I really do hope that we love or at least like. It's one thing to sit in here and have our palms up. But it's another to have to go to work. It's another to go to school. It's another maybe even to go back home today and live with open palms. Loving as you demonstrated. Loving individuals who maybe do not have our soul's best interest at heart. And Father, we have heard and we have been taught and we have had demonstrated before us how that it's okay to love those who are nice and it's okay to love those who are like us and it's okay to, it's okay to love and treat well and before those who, who share all the things that we share who are the same as us. But Father, we've seen a verse that we need to highlight and we've seen a change already that we need to make in our life. That the love that we have for others needs to be different. It's a palm up kind of love. Willing to let go of our hurts. Let go of our fears. We're willing to let go of the animosity. We're willing to let go of the defensiveness. We are willing to let go of the accusation, Father. We are willing to let go of the anxiety. Living with palms up, willing to let go. Willing to let go of all the things that we want to hold on to that others have done to us. And so, Father, maybe today the, the best thing that we could do is not just open our hands, but truly open our heart. That we'll be reminded of the communion that we have shared together. The communion that we have in you. Reminded of the love that Jesus brought to us. And Father, that we would even perhaps today before we leave this place, go to someone and repent. Go to someone and wrap our arms around them. Go to someone 
say we're sorry. Go to someone and forgive. Maybe we need to go home and send the email. We need to get on the phone. We need to send the text. Father, we need to demonstrate the love that Jesus shared for us. The love that first flowed from you. And that while we were sinners, Christ still died for us. While we were enemies of yours, Jesus came to show us what love was like. May we live and love differently because of the communion that we share in your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, maybe now you need to lift those hands and praise to God as we sing together about what he has done for us in our life. If it moves you to respond before this body, I encourage you to do so, coming here saying, I need to be able to love like God. If it moves you to respond so that you're saying, I know I've been loved by God and I want to enjoy, I want to feast in that love, I'd love to be baptized into Christ, dying to self because Jesus died for me. We want you to have that opportunity. And as always, if you'd just like to talk in private about the love that God has for you, one of our elders will be in our prayer room that's back in our lobby. Let's stand, palms up, as we give God praise and glory.